fucking BBC photographer at the pyramid stage was never anything I ever bloody dreamed of. So I was like, holy shit. So when the, uh, the email came through and I was driving, I was doing a very bad thing. I was like reading my emails while I was driving and I had to pull in and scream the car down. I was like, oh my God, they want me to be a BBC photographer. And I, I made the guy that hired me for it, right, he's amazing. He's an Irish guy that runs like the head of digital on BBC. He was like, yeah. I like your work. Do you, want to, do you want to do the pyramid stage? I was like, I wrote back, I was just like, you have to promise me that you're not going to get hit by a bus between now and Glastonbury. I, like, I want it in writing and I'm, I want you to CC other people on your team so that even if you quit or get hit by a bus, I'm still going to do this job, okay? And he was like, kind of became a bit of a running job. He was just like, look, I haven't got hit by a bus yet. You're still on for Glastonbury. I was like, oh my God. Like, Hello and welcome back to another episode of Finterviews. I'm your host, Connor Finn, and on this week's episode, I was delighted to have a call with the lovely Ruth Medjber. Ruth is an Irish photographer, primarily known for her work in the music and festival scene, traveling the globe, shooting the biggest artists at the biggest festivals around the world. We chatted about her phenomenal career, progressing from shooting toilet rolls to photographing A-list rock stars, her lifelong love affair with her cameras, and her latest lockdown project, shooting window portraits that have captured the nation's eye. Ruth was such a ridiculously interesting person to chat to on this week's episode, and I think you guys are going to absolutely fall in love with all of her stories. I, uh, I'm still just getting over them. So, without further ado, please enjoy this latest episode of Interviews with the brilliant Ruth Medjber. Well, welcome back to another episode of Finterviews. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by the brilliant Ruth Medjber. How's it going, Ruth? Hi, Connor. Thanks so much for having me along to your podcast tonight. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, Ruth, you have been a bit mental over lockdown. I was about to say, how's your lockdown been? But I, uh, as can just tell you before we record there, I've been kind of following you on socials and stuff like this. Um, you, uh, have probably been, uh, like when I was trying to get in contact with people, I was thinking, you know what? Yeah, people, you know, aren't really doing too much these days. Like, it'll be handy enough to get people down for a call. Um, you initially, we tried to get in contact and you've just been kind of been kept busier, like almost than ever. I mean, it's, it's brilliant, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you've had a bit of a mad one. How's everything been for you anyways? Uh, yeah, it's been absolutely mad. Um, so lockdown when lockdown happened I went straight into a new project and I worked every single night for three and a half months without taking a break and then straight after that I went to three weeks of right so I, I did a photo project for three and a half months every single night and then I went into writing the book that's around the project and then I went into a couple of weeks of like doing all that so I I didn't have the same lockdown as everyone else <laughs> I had a really busy one a really <laughs> nightmare one but I'm delighted <laughs> that I actually had that opportunity to do it so I'm good I'm good let's just say I'm good right now <laughs> <laughs> you're like I'm fine I'm fine yeah I mean and you're still somehow make time to fucking come on and chat to some wee spacky kid like and like on a, on a Wednesday evening so we're really I, glad to be asked <laughs> yeah exactly do you know what I mean like yeah now the rest of boring yeah. stuff's over get on to the fun bits yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. This is the crack. I get to talk to people about photography. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to, I want to come on your show. Absolutely. <laughs> well, here, um, we've kind of touched upon, I mean, I haven't really even introduced you as yourself yet, um, but we mm-hmm. kind of touched upon, you've been doing all these projects during lockdown, but uh, for people that maybe wouldn't know who you are or haven't even heard of Ruthless Imagery, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from and kind of the background, like what you're known for. Um, to give everybody sure. a bit of a background into you. Sure. So I guess primarily people would know me as a music photographer. And what that involves is shooting all the music festivals across Ireland and the UK every year. So the likes of Electric Picnic I've done for the last 14 years. And then I've just started working for the BBC shooting Glastonbury and their festivals. Um, and then I also go on tour with them. So I've recently travelled with Arcade Fire and then before Christmas I finished up with Hosier at the end of his tour. So you'll mostly find me at the front of any kind of live gig performance with my camera. Um, and that's kind of what I've done for <laughs> since, I was, since I was about 16 really. And like I'm, I'm not, not 16 anymore. <laughs> so I've done it for the majority of my life. Um, and, you know, I was, Born and reared and living in Dublin, um, but were mainly just traveling around taking photographs. Um, and it's just become, it, it is my life. It is, it is the only thing I've ever done, and it's probably going to be the only thing I'll ever do. But most recently, it, I kind of have been become known for a really random thing. It's window <laughs> portraits. So when live music stops because of Corona, I was forced indoors like everybody else, but I I love taking pictures of people. It's people that really drive my work and um and really kind of kind of save my soul a little bit. So I decided to let's go photograph people through their window at home at night in a really in like the least creepiest way that you could possibly <laughs> do that, which is hard. Um, yeah, so I went from being known as you know, the music photographer woman to the window portrait woman in the space of a couple of months, which was strange. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I'm going to have my first book out in November. And I always, I always imagined having a book out. I always thought it would be great, but I never thought it would have been full of windows. I thought it would have been top stars. So things have changed, let's just say, <laughs> what I'm known for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, thank God that you said it, or I know, like, if I tried to explain what you did, I don't think I would have been able to wrap it up as succinctly as that. <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't have been like, yeah, I mean, here's you turn around with, like, Arcade Fire, Hosier, I mean, even some of the other ones that, like, I've just seen that you've been for. Photo- like photographing at festivals and stuff like that like as you said you've been on the go since like 16 I mean not many people have had that kind of lifestyle and been able to to, like sustain it and you know like this is like their life um but now you're the now you're the window photographer (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a bit of a fall from grace but like it's a segue into a different type of work and it's opened me up to to a new audience which is great you know because there's people who now follow my Instagram that have absolutely no clue that I take pictures that are not windows. So they've yeah. no, you know, when they see, they see me post an old photograph of Grace Jones and they're like, what? 
what do you do? Is this, is this sheriff? Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, Half-Life. I used to be cool, remember? <laughs> yeah, but then you have all the new audience that like window enthusiasts, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I mean, that. you probably get some weird like Peep and Tom accounts as well. Like, do you know what I mean? They're kind of like, God, this is actually like kind of upper alley, but very stylized and lovely. <laughs> <laughs> A new way to actually when, because uh, when the project first launched, CNN was were one of the ones to pick it up. And their audience, CNN's global audience, is so bizarre. So they were posting all this stuff and tagging me. So I was reading all the comments and the threads. And I, it was exactly that. It was a lot of people, like voyeuristic people who were so so intrigued in, in what goes on in people's homes at, at nighttime. And they were loving it. And I was like, oh, man, I don't think this is appropriate. I've crossed the line. <laughs> You're going like, no, yeah. this wasn't for you. No, stop. <laughs> yeah, it's not for you. Stop, stop looking at my work like that. <laughs> But listen, I like is like, I'll take it wherever I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's it at the end of the day. But I mean, from going on to, from your most recent stuff, as you said, I mean, from festivals to windows, mm. bring us back to the very start, I suppose. Um, That's where I kind of want to, you know, jump in with you. It's uh, when did you kind of first get into photography? Because I know, like, was, was it something you've always gravitated towards or had a passion for? Or did you maybe have like another path in mind? Because I know I've been, I actually did a bit of research before this. You'll be, be thrilled to know. But wasn't it your dad? <laughs> he like supplied photography gear and stuff like that. Like, so like surely was that like a natural lead on into the whole kind of craft or? Well, you know what? Photography was part of my life since I was born because my dad used to sell camera equipment. Um, he used to like supply the hardware, like the car, like, stuff to all the camera shops across Ireland so we always had cameras around the house like cheap little things things that wouldn't cost more than like a tenner or whatever Mm. and um, so it was always there it was always this fascination that I had and it was you know this was like 1990 or whatever and I was too young for school but we couldn't you know it was a recession couldn't afford childcare. so dad used to bring me to work with him so he used to just like sit me on the cash desk of all these camera stores and I'd be playing with all the stuff that they had there and watching the films, like all the roles being processed and looking at other people's holiday snaps, like sometimes really inappropriate holiday snaps. <laughs> <laughs> so it was always there. It was always this weird, like deep rooted fascination I had. And uh, it never ended. It honestly never ended. So like I got my first little camera when I was three years old and it was a bright plastic thing called Eclipse and it was a real 35 millimeter camera and I started doing weird little fine art projects for myself like nobody else was interested in these things like I photograph I pull chairs over and photograph the light switch or I photograph people's shoes like lined up on a wall I photograph I like my dad got mad at me when I must have been about six or seven and he was bringing all these rolls into his friends in the camera shop to get processed for free. So, you know, it didn't cost them anything really. Mm. So and he came back to me. He's like, what is this about? I was like, what? He's like, I have just asked Billy in the camera shop to process 36 photographs of toilet rolls. <laughs> and I was like, it's art. <laughs> I didn't even know what art was at the time. He's like, why have you filled a whole roll of toilet rolls? Like, just going around doing toilets, looking in toilets. And I was like, I couldn't explain it. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had these little projects in my head I wanted to do. So from that, photography was always there. And then, of course, 
I it was the only thing I was ever going to do on CAO because you know we all have to go through the CAO process. I don't know why we're, we're so um, like obsessed with it in Ireland, but so <laughs> photography went as number one on my list, and nothing followed it. And I got that degree, which was quite lucky. And then it was around the age of maybe fourteen when I started getting into music, and I started hanging around with all little goths and rocker people in Central Bank and Temple Bar that I realized that music and photography could come together and it was like this kind of bright spark moment in my life where I went holy shit maybe I could make this job (laughs) and I started working with this record label in Temple Bar called Treasure Island Records and uh, they used to put on gigs for underage people like teenagers uh, it's like, oh, I'm going to photograph these. And I'd walk up to the bands and go, hi, I'm Bruce. I'm going to be your photographer. And I'd just start taking pictures of them. <laughs> and I, I, had, I, had, I was dripping with confidence, something I, I wish I still had. But they, yeah, it, it kind of just went. I built up a portfolio of really bad music photography stuff and a lot of like abstract art. Applied for college, got the, got the course, did the degree, went straight into hot press and will open my own studio. And I just, never I never I never took no for an answer in terms of like there was many opportunities for them to fail me in DIT they failed me every single year I I had to do repeat every single year why so it was because but yeah was, you just yeah you kept going back with the toilet rolls again being like guys this is yeah. art though come on yeah. <laughs> you guys just don't understand <laughs> <laughs> no one understands me that's all it is no they just I wasn't very academically minded and you needed to be you needed to write bloody theses and stuff in that course and I uh, couldn't do it honestly you know don't get me started half of my course was uh, literally photography as well but you know what we were never actually taught how to what to do go out and take pictures everything was like about the theory and don't get me wrong some of it was really interesting to understand whatever like this but like when you're going into those kind of courses, you're thinking, oh, this is like, I'm finally in like a thing where I'm just passionate and I can like dedicate all my time yeah. and effort and craft into like this one area. Do you know what I mean? And then when they go like, yeah, we're just going to talk about it. I'm like, sure, you could fucking buy a book if I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> do that kind of way. It's like, I don't need I you telling me about this. Like, even though it is like, looking back at now, I probably was a bit thick in it, but like, like, and it's a lot of it did. It does kind of give you a bit of well-rounding, but like a lot of time I feel like it does, it it, it kind of limits you a good bit because they're kind of going off yeah. being like, this is our, you know, assessment marking and we need to make sure that you guys are like fitting into these boxes and you're going like, but those don't suit me. You're like, I'm paying yeah. to go here. You, like, do you know what I mean? It's supposed to, I'm supposed to get stuff out of this. Use, not use, get, you know, whatever you need out of me. I exactly I'm I'm totally with you on that and that's kind of I felt a bit hard done by done by leaving that course because I felt because I failed so many times and I had to keep fighting the results and everything that you know I definitely didn't fit into their boxes not at all mm. but now when I look back like there isn't that many a few only few of us graduated and only a couple of us are actually photographers and I'm just like well, what the fuck? Why was I doing that course? Like, well, there's no point in me doing that course. And and now when I get, I, I like, I get transition year students or, you know, people who are building portfolios and they come to me going, oh, I'm going to do the DIT course or I'm going to do the Dunleary course. And I'm like, hang on a second. Just think about this. You really need to do that course. <laughs> yeah. 
so I try and like just make sure they know what's involved and maybe that you know it's not the only option anymore and it's not photography like if you can sell you can teach it yourself and you can you can read up on do do whatever you want you don't want somebody knocking your confidence every at every opportunity and putting you down because it hurts like it does and it and it obstructs your own creative like freedom so yeah I know but that's that's the story, Ruth. So that's how I got to where I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love it. Like, God, no, just when you said that, that made me laugh. So it was just about, like, when people are talking about, like, going to do these courses and stuff like this. Like, I'm surprised, actually, by university, like, like it was university Ulster where I, where I studied I'm surprised I actually haven't got done for like defamation at this stage because like the <laughs> mind that I've been like the, I mean we were last like well, as soon as I left my course as well I got cut so I mean it's kind of truthful like a lot of the stuff mm. I am saying but yeah so many people like even for myself like I was with medium production like a load of different wee bits and pieces kind of areas but um yeah it's mad like photography in particular those ones were it is all about your portfolio and it's about your work and stuff like this. You know what? Like, it's um, not, I suppose, until you have the hindsight to look back and you can go like, sure, I probably could have been doing that, like something else. But then I suppose if you never went into them to discover that that's what, that's what you didn't need, probably half yeah. you, you're always wondering what could have happened each way. But, yeah. um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose that's kind of, yeah, you've, uh, so like I mean, from toilet roll to like I mm-hmm. mean, sh- I mean shooting holes here, like like it's um it hasn't been too bad so far, but like that's mad that I got you, there, I got there in the end. Like. But it's mad <laughs> that you knew that's what you wanted to do. Like it, yeah. So many people I've met, like God, I still know people that still don't know what they want to do. I don't really have a notion what I want. To. I just knew that I want to chat to people, so that's why I started this. Like, um, but that's but... great. Like, and that you know, it's recognizing that. And I only recognized recently that it's photographing people that is what I want to do, and that's where everything comes from within mm. me is that I want to connect with people. And it's just that photography was the medium that was most accessible to me because I can't draw, I can't sing, <laughs> I can't dance. But I can take pictures. And, you know, I'm not one of those naturally talented photographers either. I had to work very hard to, to get my standard of, of shooting and my shooting style to where other people's are, you know, because now I see, um, like graduates coming out and they are shit hot with a camera and I'm looking at <laughs> them I wasn't that good. I had to really put the hours in to get to anywhere near that standard. So, but I am very lucky that I knew that this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. So I had that on my side, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I know that there's an awful lot of people who don't have that luxury of knowing and they can kind of get lost a bit. But it's, it's getting lost, which is a nice thing as well. Like I do sometimes think, God, wouldn't it be great if I could just take another career? You know, it's like tomorrow I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut. And I went and did it. <laughs> I'm very much tied to photography now it's become my identity it's become who I am you know and it'd be very bloody difficult for me to change professions the way other people can yeah um, yeah I mean there's pros and cons of absolutely everything But I mean, I'm in it now. I'm, yeah. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Yeah, we've got this far. Yeah. Might as well keep going. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I suppose I was going to ask, and you kind of have touched upon it a bit there, but like, my next kind of like one that I always, 
I'm, I'm always intrigued by people that like are so well known for being in a certain career path. But I was going to kind of ask yeah. you about like what's your inspiration, your drive behind your photography. But you've mentioned like recently you've just kind of discovered that it's all about, you know, getting that kind of human like kind of yeah uh, get, like actually, caption caption no shame in moments but like is there anyone yeah. or anything that like particularly influenced you I suppose like or were you very much yours kind of like I suppose from your music scene and stuff like that where was it just a lot of kind of like magazines maybe you're like saying and being like yeah. fuck I want to take like those pictures or like was there anything that you could like you know you think back to and you're like oh god because I know. Yeah. Yeah. Different people have different things that they kind of like have looked back on and be like, oh yeah, these lads, this kind of like, I would love their work or. You know what? That's, it's really funny that you should say it because I was just going through my bookshelves there before this call and I was just kind of pulling out old books that I had and I was, I was looking over things and um, I pulled out this book by um, David LaChapelle, who's a photographer, and he does all this like, really high contrast, high saturated, really colourful portraits of super famous people. Like he did um, Kirk Cobain and what's your face, Courtney Love, and you know, just everyone mm. Paris Hilton and all. And I was looking back and I was like, God, I really, I don't, I don't, I used to love this book and I don't like it anymore. And it, and I just kind of looked from far away and I was like, actually, do you know what? A lot of my style is quite similar in tonal colours. Now, it's not in like, a fraction of how good it is, but like, just like that. So I'm, I must have been really influenced from by him to start carving my own style out. That now I'm known for like really like pop colours and everything is like super bright and garish almost. And I'm like, oh my God, maybe that is it. But there is, there's a, a French uh, artist who uses photography. And I say that very um, specifically because you wouldn't call her a photographer. She's definitely an artist that uses cameras. Um, her name is Sophie Cal, like C-A-L-L-E. And she is this eccentrically, beautifully mad soul who creates these fantasies in her head and uses like performance to act them out and always recording them on, on, on cameras and video cameras and stuff. And I am besotted with her, absolutely besotted. So, that influenced a lot of my work in college um, and especially pairing narrative with imagery, which is um, something I do a lot now, more recently, now that I've kind of found my voice in in the written word. Mm. And uh, so what I find is, and this is, you know, I, I find this evolved through Instagram as well, that I, I like telling a story through visual means, but I really like telling a story through the caption. So I have... 2200 words in an Instagram caption to get across <laughs> my point. And I Twitter just wouldn't work for you. <laughs> Twitter doesn't work. Uh, Twitter is just like a horrible, horrible, like second best to Instagram. So, yeah, I'm really, but you know, and then since I, since the book is coming out, the day of Penguin uh, got in touch with me and they were like, oh, we'd like you to turn this series into a book. And I was like, cool, yeah, grand. When do you want the photos? And they're like, actually, we want the photos and the stories. Like, we want 50 stories to go with these pictures. And I was like, what? You want me to actually put words on paper? I don't do that. I can't do that. And I had this, I had such a mental block that was carried over from my days of college where every time I put pen to paper, they'd basically smack it out of my hand and go, you're not doing that. You're shit at that. <laughs> like, oh my God. But Penguin were like, no, Ruth, we've read your Instagram. You can write. Like, oh, holy shit, here it goes. And it, it turned out I can write. And I've written the bloody book. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think 
it is mad. So I'm looking back, and it's only when you look back over people that whose work you've adored, like Sophie's and David's and stuff, mm. that I'm I'm looking back and going, oh, okay, they were like highly influential on my work. Um, so it's different periods of my life. I seem to gravitate towards different artists. Um, but I'm also very. I don't take. I don't look at art on my phone. I don't follow a lot of Instagram accounts. Actually, on my Ruthless Imagery account, I only follow like eight people and they're the people that I'm currently working with. And then if I've stopped working with you, you get knocked off because I find what? it a massive... Oh my God, sorry. Yeah, I don't oh. follow people. Yeah, because I, um, I can't. Because if, but, I'm, but if I'm working with someone who, whose work I love or like who, if I'm, you know, I can't follow other photographers because I get like insanely jealous and insanely competitive and I'm looking at their work and I'm like oh my god that's amazing it's so amazing it's way better than anything I'll ever do I'm going to get sick I'm going to just turn everything off I can't be a strong for anymore so I purposely had to do a call and, and kind of explain to everyone it's like it's not because I hate you it's because I love you too much <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, th- thank, yeah this collaboration was great it's like unfollow bye <laughs> yeah uh, that was fine. That was perfect. Bye. So yeah, I have a little rule now. It's like the only people who I, I'm currently working with, and just to keep it clean, because you know yourself, like social media is such a black hole that you can get oh really, really. You can lose hours and hours. I don't have the time for it. You know, I have. I like my inbox full of people to respond to, so I'm just like can't be on Instagram every day. <laughs> so what I do instead is use those hours and go to galleries instead, and I get my inspiration from galleries. So like I'm always pottering around Emma, the National Gallery, the RAJ, yeah. the Gallery of Photography, and like I'll go off to Belfast and I'll go to the galleries up there. And, you know, I used to, before Corona, <laughs> I used to go to Paris in November for Paris Photo, which is this massive photographer festival. It's like akin to like Glastonbury, but for photographers, it's really nerdy. And then I'd go to, <laughs> I'd go to, I'd go to Photo London and it's like the same thing over there, but like Londoners. And I'd go and I'd, I'd just, yeah, I'd just soak it all up. And that was like my Instagram feed. I'd be, and I'd be taking pictures and videos where I go and I'd be like, so it's just replacing one place with another. I do understand that, but it's just being healthier this way. No, <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's... that's. It's so unheard of, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like because so much of like, like I, I myself, I lose hours and everything. Like, I, I know half my day. Like, I think I checked on my phone or something recently. Like, I'm bad for it. But it was said like your screen time and stuff like this. I think it literally said like eight hours at one time. Like, if Whoa. you think about, yeah, like I'm really bad for it. And it'd be things like Instagram or like TikTok over lockdown got really into as yeah. well, where you're just like losing these hours. And and it is funny that like you mentioned that where, you know, you do instantly kind of start comparing yourself or lose inspiration, be like, oh God, I'm like, why, why should I even try if this person's doing this? But I think the way like that, the way that you've done it is so unheard of, but also like, to be fair, like it probably plays up to like a little bit of like the mystique or be like, oh, really cool. Cause it's like always like, you know, yeah. the real like big celebrities and stuff like this that like say, like Beyonce or something like this, like only follows like 30 people, but it has like millions of followers. So I feel yeah. like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's probably like adds a bit more to be like, Ruth's pretty well, cool. I'm not doing it because I, I, I'm definitely not doing it because I'm cool. I'm doing oh, it because I'm the opposite. I am no, really but it makes desperate. so much more sense, actually. Like, I mean, I wish I kind of did that more, but like, 
I like I it's yeah. I, it's like a drop like I, I swear well, it's like veins to me like I'm just like feeding yeah. it because I don't I don't know I like stuff like Twitter and stuff like I get so much of my comedy from and honestly, I wouldn't know what's happening in the world if I wasn't on half the things like I'm that naive so yeah. um well that's <laughs> it like, I, go, I go to Twitter Twitter for my news and then I have a private Instagram which is literally just for people who I will have a pint with. So actual friends can't just be like, they've seen me on the street and they're adding me on private. Mm. It's like, now if I sit down in a pub with you, that's how you get your <laughs> So I've got inst- private Instagram for that and then I've got Facebook to see what my mom's up to and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's not all anybody uses Facebook for anymore, do you know what I mean? Or like you'll get like, a picture go up and then it'll be like the mums in the comments having like a full like, you know, conversation that should be definitely left for like, you know, messenger to be like, oh. oh, lovely picture. It's like, hi, Karen. Yeah, I had a really good time. This is what, what yeah. I was doing. And you're like, seventh paragraph song. Sure, that's probably like, you know, mum could have probably written a book by now, like with the, do you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> they just need to put the wine down and then log off. Like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose like, Jesus, I didn't even realize that. Like, I'm so interested. Like, I want to like push into that more. But like, as you said, like, you, do you know what I mean? You've kind of explained it all. You're probably doing the best thing that like anybody in the creative industries can do, which is to fucking meet people, do your yeah. own stuff, and stop fucking worrying about other other things. But I suppose what I wanted to but touch that, on. Like, this works for me. Yeah, yeah, like this works for me personally. It does. It might not work for everybody else. There's a lot of people mm. who can use it in a really successful and healthy way, and you know can find people to collaborate and to you know and to take inspiration from other people's work for me though it's, it's just maybe I'm just slightly more insecure person or whatever and I, I still do like to collaborate with people but it's usually people that I've met in the real world mm. you know that I'm just like oh they're cool and I might actually you know make the introduction first and then go back and research their work and their website and I'll find them that way so it's just a different way of work and you know just makes oh. me better Oh no, I think it's like a commendable. I think like I ideally, I think that's what things should be going around as, but it's just like, I mean, but then again, sure, here's me reaching out to you, I random out of the blue and, uh, do we manage to link up? So I won't, I won't completely, but that's the thing. Like I still, I still check in and I still do the screen time. So my DMs are open everywhere and, you know, I'm very vocal and I'm very active on Mm. stories and on, and stuff so I still provide the content and I still I still connect with people so I still try to answer every message that comes in um and sometimes they take an awful lot out of me like that they'll be all like oh can you recommend a camera and can you recommend this thing can you do this for me and I'm just like okay this one needs a little bit of time so you know (laughs) I do dedicate like a couple or at least like three hours of a week uh, replying to DMs. So, Jesus. yeah, it's just, and like if I was to put scrolling on top of that, I'd be like, oh no, here, listen, I've got a life, I need to see the dog. <laughs> well, see, I don't have a life, so that's where I am. But no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, and, I'm trying but, trying to reclaim a life. Oh, from, yeah. From but here, I suppose, <laughs> I don't even know, like, if I can even ask this question because I don't think there has been, like, a kind of life before your photography. But I was mm-hmm. kind of going to ask, like, before this career, I suppose, in photography, I don't know if you had any particular, like, you know, part-time jobs or, like, things that kind of, like, maybe informed you into the purse yard today by, like, everybody yeah. I asked to bring on the show. Like, I kind of asked them because it's all funny finding out the jobs that people did before what they're known for. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. But it sounds oh, yeah. like you yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it sounds like you've always been in the photography, so I don't know if you've had at like, you know, any of those I instances. Have. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I have. Well, because photography is such a hard route to to uh, make money from in the early days because you're constantly building your portfolio and people don't value photography in the same way that they used to maybe in the 70s and 80s where they yeah. pay a photographer so now you're doing a lot of free work even though you don't want to so but like when I was a teenager I worked in HMV like I worked in a record store for four years part-time and that was that fed my obsession with not only music but I'll covers so I was sitting there flicking through the album covers every day while I was stacking CDs on the shelf and I was like that's a good one that's a shit one that's a good one that's a shit one <laughs> and they're like Rude you're supposed to put them in alphabetical order I'm like nope I'm putting them into a good album cover shit album cover <laughs> so, <laughs> I was I was a very judgmental teenager um so like I had I had that job and then like this all, all random stuff that I I kind of did I I got a job in a bar when I was 14 because I, I needed to save enough money to buy an acoustic guitar and two tickets to placebo so I got that and as soon as I got those I quit the job <laughs> I've had random stuff and then when I in my really early days of photography I would take any job that allowed me to use the camera and um, like anything that I could get experience with shooting so there was like this magazine at the time called um, In Dublin and they were launching their website. So it was before the days that everybody had a website. So this Dublin guy was doing, um, they were planning on putting together a directory of Dublin. And mm. in it, they wanted to photograph um, every single chipper and every single pub that they could. So they, you know, they were like, <laughs> we, need, we need a really cheap, shitty photographer who can do this and I was like me me I'll do it I'll do it I'll do any job I can be I can call myself a photographer and I must have been about god what 18 19 20 maybe I can't remember and it was a summer and I didn't drive at the time and I had to find a way of getting through all these pubs over like the north side of Dublin which is where I'm from which is grand but like it's not an easy place to be like yeah, like pub. Dublin, if you have to break <laughs> down, is essentially like pubs and chippies. Like if you break yeah. it down to the soul of it, like really. <laughs> yeah. So every, like they give me like a hundred pubs to visit and to take the outside photograph of. I'm like, oh my Christ, are you kidding me? Like, and I'd be just going from one to the next. The next week could be in the suburbs. And you know, my ma would be feeling sorry for me. So she's like, oh, come on, I'll give you like a movie driving around. And it was before Google Maps or anything, so you had to have like actual maps and addresses. Oh, and sometimes God. like the pub wouldn't be there anymore, and I was like, "That's a waste of money." I broke it down. I was getting like a penny per photograph or something. It was the most horrific thing, but I liked it because I was a photographer. I was a professional photographer, so yeah, I've done some pretty horrific jobs. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to do it though. You have to do the shit jobs to to. to like just to get your start like and god I did an awful lot of them yeah so, uh, <laughs> so, sorry for you know bringing back that past trauma but I mean at least you got to reminisce about like the days when you were essentially the editorial team for HMV and they had no idea about it like uh... <laughs> exactly yeah it was, it was great you know I was curating their, uh, their entire store based on for album covers Jesus, and they didn't even give you a raise for that, honestly. I mean, there's, I know. but that's funny that you'd say that, like, cause, like, that makes so much sense as, like, soon as you start chatting about that, cause honestly, like, I'd go into HMV and remember so much growing up. I probably had, like, a similar kind of thing to yourself where, um, 
about 13, like 14, um, I said that like when emo was a phase, I was like, yeah, like oh, yeah. really into like all that stuff. Like looking back now, I wasn't really like, I'm just like, like I'm from the country. Like, I, I mean, and, uh, I mean, when I went to HMV though, like I remember I'd always go to not really the album stuff like that. Cause like I wouldn't have even bought anything in there, but you know, when they have like the kind of posters that you can like flip through, but it's then fully spread out. And uh, they're in yeah. like almost, I remember just like spend ages, like I just flick through them and offer like this. And then I just go, like I'd literally do nothing else in there, but th- flick through the posters. And it was the movie posters I really liked. I know. Um, you see, but, it's mad what you gravitate towards. But yeah, like, do you know what I mean? It's not until you mentioned that that I was like, oh yeah, of course, like that makes so much sense. But, and I suppose like it probably showed you, yeah, just like, give you a bit of a world image kind of around the place and like the stuff that you're interested <laughs> in as well. Like, I mean, and then yeah, of course, yeah. Pe- pe- Penny, yeah absolutely. And then Penny pictures of pubs. Like, I mean, who, who isn't that going to influence really in the end? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wonder if they have an archive of all my old pub and chipper photographs. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. There you go. But I suppose going on from that, like, I, oh my god, I'm so glad I asked you that though, because I was going to be like, oh, this was such a stupid question. But, um, I suppose going on from that, like, again, you have been so wild and you've been, you know, all over the place, like, um, doing bits of fucking everything, really. Like, do you know what I mean? You can't really pinpoint you down to other than, I mean, you're essentially attached to your camera at all times. Like, but is there ever an average day for yourself? Like, does, like, is any day the same to next or do you have a kind of schedule? Because that's why I'm always so intrigued about like how these, you know, people like yourself that have like such eclectic kind of like backgrounds or like, you know, like how do you schedule that out? Like, is there like a, this is my day for this? I mean, as you said, you like, there's a day a week that you probably spend just trying to answer, get back to people and stuff like this. But like, yeah. what, what, what does it all work like for yourself? Like, so it's really hard for me. I guess I work in seasons normally in like a non-COVID world. I'd work in festival season and then like the winter would be like, not festivals, it'd be like all venues and stuff. And mm. when we're in the winter, I'm in, I'm in the studio doing like music promos. So pictures of the bands and stuff that you see in the magazine. But um, like when you're on tour, you have a routine that I've never experienced anywhere else in my life because my life as a freelancer is, there is no Monday to Friday. There is no Saturday, Sunday. There is no holiday days. You just work. You work whenever you need to work. And that's mm. it. Like people always think, oh, it must be great being your own boss. You can pick your own hours. And I'm like, bitch, please. I don't get to pick my hours. Clients <laughs> pick my hours. Like, <laughs> I'm on so, back on call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but on the, um, on tour, like it's so scheduled. It's beautiful. <laughs> you work seven days a week or six days a week, whatever. So you wake up in your bunk and then and the sound check is at four and dinner is at six and then the band are on at nine and then I edit till like three AM and then I sleep in till around eleven and then I go for walks around galleries and then it's sound check again. So it's beautiful. You know, and then in between that time like you're being driven to another country. So you wake up in a different country every day, like or a different city at least. And it's it's fantastic. But um Scheduling in my normal life or even my life now is, is, is something that I've learned to be good at, like time management. And you just mm. learn through making shit those mistakes. But um, <laughs> it would normally be someone would ask me to put, put like, can we do a shoot? And I'm like, okay. So say, for example, I'm doing um, I'm doing a, a shoot for two musicians 
mm. uh, on October 1st. Like, and then I'm like, okay. So I know that I need to arrange a few different Zoom calls in advance of that. And there's mm. a certain amount of work that needs to be done before the actual shoot date, whether it's to get a location or to uh, kind of talk to them about what they're going to wear and about everything else. And then I have to do a mood board. So you're trying to squeeze things in. Um, but there is no way, like if, if a client says to me tomorrow, it's like, oh, can you, we're having this event, imagine, remember when events were a thing, if we're having an event, uh, and it's Thursday and it starts at 7am in the convention center, can you be there? And I'm like, yeah. So that would mean that any editing that I was planning on doing on Thursday is now at the window because there's an opportunity for me to make money. So then all the editing that I was going to do that day will be pushed to Thursday night. So it's just bananas. You can't be too... You can't, you, you can't be too, like, inflexible. You have you can be too rigid about things. You have hmm. to just go with the flow and then just take any moments that you can when it's the downtime. And then here's the other thing. Sometimes it gets quiet as a freelancer in a non-COVID world. When, uh, everything's really quiet now, I'll tell you. Um, but when in a non-COVID it ebbs and flows, ups and downs. Some days you'll be really busy and some weeks you're not. And the thing is not to get too stressed out when it's not really busy if you put the groundwork in you put time into marketing yourself into developing kind of a presence out there online like you people will come back to you there's always ways of getting work together mm. you know you can drum up business but the thing is not to like panic too much when there's no work all of a sudden um but always then the little thing in the back of your brain kind of goes oh but you could be doing something now you could be like you know doing this massive kind of like, you can make I'm a book. Always, <laughs> yeah, you can bloody well make a book. Really? Why not make a bloody book? Well, everyone else in the entire world is having a little sit down and a cup of tea, and I'm going to go make a fucking book. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all about going with the flow and just trying to trying to just work out like a work life balance, which is really yeah. difficult. Like, luckily, I have a dog, and she requires a walk like twice a day, so. No matter what happens, I have to walk that dog. So I'm always going to leave the house and walk her. That's brilliant for me. So, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, is one of, like, the most stunning. Like, your dog looks like it's probably the softest, like, fluffiest dog oh, in the is. world. Like, yeah. I yeah. mean... I, I like I you know the way like sometimes like well I know I would like we'd have wee pets around at our house but like I'd say 90% of my camera roll is just of them like how do you reframe yeah. yourself from taking like every single like second picture like your camera mo- roll or you know what I mean your feet must just oh, be awful like yeah. my, my camera is like um, 256 um, gigabytes of dog photos like my phone is full and she has her own Instagram and everything because I can't publish all the pictures of my dog on my on the ruthless imagery Instagram. I have to put them somewhere else. So, because otherwise people will just unfollow me. They're like, this this woman is cat. Like she's in love with this dog. But I am. She's amazing. And you know what? She's great. Cause when she like you can put your little you can put your head on her and you can fall asleep like you're on a big fluffy cloud. She's great. <laughs> I mean, and living rent free isn't paying for a penny during all this. Jesus, living the life. Yeah. God, yeah, honestly. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, like from there, like. Oh God, like there's, I mean, it sounds a bit like mad, like the kind of schedule that work off from seeds and stuff like this. But then also like just really exciting, I suppose, at the same time, because you're constantly being thrown into these new opportunities or new situations. Yeah. And like, do you know what I mean? There's not many people that can like say that like that's their lifestyle. Like that's what they sustain off. Yeah. But have there been any major standout moments that kind of came 
from your career so far that you, I suppose, never thought could have happened? Like, have there been any times, as, but like, I mean, maybe the book yeah. is like one of the big ones, but like, I don't know, like, has there, like, well, as, you know, ha- like, to be honest, the book hasn't quite hit me yet because I haven't <laughs> seen a physical version of it yet. So I don't yeah. really, I was saying this, I was saying this earlier on to a friend of mine. I was just like, oh, do you know what? I don't really remember doing it because it all happened so bloody quickly. It was a big part of my life for a while, but then it's gone and it's now it's like almost didn't happen. But I think when I hold the book, I'm getting a physical copy of the book tomorrow, would you believe? So I think I might have a little cry when that is in my hand. And oh. um, and but you know what I do? I started to do is get little tiny tattoos of bit of milestones in my life that I need to kind of the bit where I'm like you should pinch yourself now and remember this. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, this is, so I got, um, I got a little lightning bolt on my, on the outside of my wrist that you can see when I take pictures uh, to mark my first kind of international tour on a sleeper bus. That was the arcade fire. So I was like, oh, listen, I have to, I mean, those are big things to me. I was like, oh my God, I'm sleeping on a tour bus. Like one of the rock star <laughs> photographers. This is amazing. So I got myself a little tattoo. And then I recently got, um, uh, like a triangular type thing as well, which is to mark the pyramid Glastonbury because I've been going to Glastonbury since I was 16. And, um, you know, even when I was 16, I had wild notions of being a music photographer, but I never once dreamed I would be photographing the pyramid stage for the BBC. Like that to me was the most coveted position in the world. And I never thought it would be me. And I still don't really think it was me, but it was. <laughs> it was a favorite dream. Pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's pictures out there proving that it was me. But yeah, I, I got to photograph, you know, Stormzy set at, at, at um, Glastonbury, which was a big deal. And that was just, I had to remind myself every day while I was there that like, this is something that you never, like this, there's things that you dream of doing and they go on my goal list, you know, my, my plans. And mm. they're easy to tick off because I'm like, okay, this is my goal. That's where I want to be. I'm going like, to develop the steps that I need to get there and I'm going to tick them off. And I'm quite logical in my processes, mm. you know, and I can see the clear ladder that will get me to there. Boom. Whereas fucking BBC photographer at the pyramid stage was never anything <laughs> I ever bloody dreamed of. So I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so when the... Uh, the email came through and I was driving. I was doing a very bad thing. I was like reading my emails while I was driving and I had to pull in and scream the car down. I was like, oh my God, they want me to be a BBC photographer. And like, I made <laughs> the guy that hired me for it, right? He's amazing. He's an Irish guy that runs like the head of digital on BBC. He was like, yeah. I like your work. Do you want to do, do the pyramid stage? I was like, I wrote back. I was just like, you have to promise me that you're not going to get hit by a bus between now and Glastonbury. I, was like, I want it in writing. And I'm, I want you to CC other people on your team so that even if you quit or get hit by a boss, I'm still going to do this job, okay? And he was like, <laughs> kind of became a bit of a running joke. He was just like, look, I haven't got hit by a boss yet. You're still on for Glastonbury. I was like, oh my God. Like, it was definitely the biggest thing. And, you know, I know a lot of people have photographed it and stuff and I probably could have put the effort in and found another way because, you know, there was a while there where I was working for NME and stuff, but it just it just came so easily without oh. trying that I that it, it kind of um it snuck up on me and then I was like oh my god what's happening so it was my, my my 10th my 10th Glastonbury was the first one that I worked at and I was just yeah a little proud moment oh my god Jesus <laughs> yeah like it's a frig like it's when you put it in those kind of terms I suppose as well like it like 
yeah, I, I don't even know how, like, you know, people do react to those things. But as you said, like, do you know what I mean? I suppose you probably don't like think about it or you don't like, you're like, this isn't real until it actually happens. And then before yeah. you know it, you know, it's happened. You're kind of be like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a very pessimistic person as well like I'm, and I'm very just like taking everything I'm not, I, I wouldn't count my chickens do you know what I mean so if someone <laughs> says something to me you know like the book the book deal and everything I was like that's not happening there's no way that's happening there's not and I'm still ta- I'm still talking to myself going no that's not real like even though the fucking thing is coming tomorrow I'm just like no that's yeah. it no, no. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no, no. I'm very much from the uh, the things can be taken away from me. No, no, no. Because, yeah, I always have to try and study, convince myself to do these things. So when they do happen, I, I have to get them permanently etched on my skin to make I... me realize that this happened. So there's a tattoo on its way. I'm getting one done to mark the book. Um, so no way! To prove that it's just, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm getting a little crescent shaped moon because the book is called Twilight Together and it was all shot in moonlight so I'm getting a little moon on my shoes. So I know it was real. <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean at least like yeah you're, you're never going to forget anything as well because you literally have like the roadmap of like your life oh, God, essentially yeah. across your body Jesus that's then, insane I was actually about to ask <laughs> that as well like did you have one plan but oh you got to be moon and all freak you're ahead of yourself as you said do you know what I mean schedule it in like uh, <laughs> logistics uh, means schedules are important <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely but I suppose like I'm just conscious that like you've been working all day and you've been like, I'm, I'm, like I know I've just been like, ta- I, God, I'd love to chat you all night, but I kind of yeah. want to not be pushing too much any longer. And I'll kind of wrap it up just with this last kind of question. And uh, I mean, God, where are we going to go from here? But, um, mm-hmm. but like, I suppose you did kind of mention a wee bit that you're like, you're able to plan ahead and stuff like this. But essentially what I wanted to ask was what does the future hold for Ruth? Like, is there a five-year plan or is there any big goals that you want to achieve that you haven't yet? Like, I mean, obviously everything's been thrown up in the air in the last while. So I suppose people's kind of like, mm, that's why I want to do this year or like in the next couple of years and they're going, maybe not really. But you keep getting, yeah. like, as you said, so much of your work is being like, things pop up. Can you, you know, make big plans to like get to these certain stages or is somebody just going to ring you up and be like, hi, we want to fly you around the world and let you get you to photograph every pub and chippy globally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like some of my work, the, the Arcade Fire tour happened overnight and it was totally random and they literally emailed me and said, hop on the bus with us tomorrow. And I was like, okay. So that was like a really quick thing. But like touring globally would have been on my plan. It would have been on my five-year plan somewhere. I'm a I'm a big planner. So what I do is um around New Year's, like around the end of a year, the start of a year, I'll, I'll do a goal list for that year of things that I could achieve in that year, and I'll try and stick to it. And I do them all in the same notebook. Notebook from back as a from I think it's from 2012. I started doing it, and it's really nice to go back and go, oh, I actually did that, and I did that. And there are things like pass my driving test or and then there was like buy a house <laughs> you know what I mean but like the previous year to buy a house was save five grand and that was bloody hard for me to do because I kept spending it and then it was like five save ten grand you know and there's a little stepping stone to buy a house and um and then like there is fantastical stuff up there and like you know so my I, I always have a five-year plan I always have a one-year plan and I always have like a, a month ahead kind of thing and you know it's really nice to just even have 
small things on the list that you can easily check off, like on the four-week plan. And four-week plan might just be do your taxes, uh, you know, yeah, and like, you know, life stuff as well, like paint the bedroom, get the dog groomed. And then, you know, and then there's other things like, oh, apply for these grants and the grants might kick off something else or, you know, see so-and-so about exhibition space. And, and then, you know, the year plan might include something like have a massive exhibition and I'd be working towards that for the year. And, you know, like the book didn't feature because that kind of came as a surprise with COVID did to it all. Like, what's the end? Yeah, so it's like, I think in the, in the five, I have my plan for next year done and hopefully it'll it'll culminate in another book um uh, which is it's going to be even bloody more uh, of a logistical nightmare than this second thing but <laughs> it's going to be good it's going to be so much hard work so I'm putting in like it's going to be really physically draining and really mentally draining and I'm putting in the work now to get my fitness levels off and to get me in the right headspace to do that work that body of work next year and then yeah, and then the five-year plan is to, like, somehow get the resources together to open a massive big studio that I can work. Because, like, in within this five years, I'm going to be turning 40. Well, no, six years. Yeah. So I'll have to um, – I need to – I can't I can't be a bloody music photographer forever, like, touring around the world. Not with that attitude, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I can, but maybe I don't want to. So I want to have <laughs> this fantastic big space in Dublin where a lot of other creatives can come and work together. And, you know, maybe I can do like a photography school and I can, you know, just a nice big space, a cushy kind of warehouse that I can have. So that's my five-year plan. So who knows now? There might be a, a second, third, fourth wave of COVID that's going to suffer these plans for me. God only knows. Look, we'll just take it as we, as we can. We stick it on the chin each time. <laughs> I know, honestly, yeah. like, I think, like, the probably, like, the biggest thing I'm going to take away from this is, like, oh, my God, like, I feel like you have managed to do, like, all these, like, crazy, cool, fun things, but, like, you've you've probably been one of the few people that, like, has learned also from them to be, like, this is how, like, I can strategically place myself into, yeah. like, this mindset to make sure that these things keep happening for me. Like, so many people I ask, like, is there a big five-year plan? People would kind of be like, oh, well, maybe I'm thinking about doing this in a while or whatever like this. But you have yours. Like, you're kind of like, this is it. Oh, like, yeah. year by year, month by month. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think, like, looking oh, yeah. back at it, like, I suppose that was, like, one of the things I probably did, like, a wee bit and maybe got out of. But, like, doing those, like, you know, setting those goals and stuff like that, it's, like, it's so silly that, like, writing down, being like, this is going to happen there. And then you look back and you see, like, you have achieved them and stuff like that. So I'm, like, yeah, you're, like, the first person that I've actually chatted to has been, like, five-year plan. So, like, yeah, I got 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know where I'm going to be when I'm 65. Like, <laughs> I do, yeah. Like, being goal-orientated, like, it can be restrictive in a way, but like I don't let it be. I just go with the flow and see what happens. But in order for you to go on tour with an international band, you have to be at a certain level and you have to build yourself up to that certain level. So it's all stepping stones, you know. Things don't just like that's what they say is like people say, Oh, you're very lucky going on tour. And I'm like, don't use that L word around me because luck <laughs> only happens when opportunity meets preparation. And God, I've been bloody preparing this forever that yeah I was ready when they needed a photographer and took me you know what I mean so there's never this kind of luck thing 
Yeah, mm. I was very lucky that I knew what I wanted to be when I was a kid. Sure, mm. for sure, because I couldn't really control that. But like everybody else, like it's, it's not that hard somewhat achieve your goals like there's definitely going to be roadblocks along the way that it'll mm. take you ages to shift and you have to be quick thinking and you know you, there, I am privileged in a way that I you know I had a nice upbringing with two very hard-working parents who let me have the freedom to kind of be what I wanted to be in a way mm. but like I wasn't overly privileged that everything was handed to me and mm. you know because my parents still work very hard at their mm-hmm. jobs and you know and I think maybe I'm lucky that they gave me the work ethic that I have but um, but like there definitely was issues and, and hardships and all that kind of stuff and you just think outside the box overcome them and crack on with it like it's always just that's the end of it isn't it you just have to get on with shit and just keep doing it <laughs> just fucking get on with it like no just honestly get on with it. no that's like probably <laughs> the best takeaway like honestly like oh god like I yeah, I I feel like a little like <laughs> burst of like energy. Now I'm kind of being like, oh my god, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, you can fucking do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, just do it. Just get on with it. Like it's not that hard. Just go and do it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, just whatever, guys. Just open up the shit. Like. Just <laughs> oh my god, yeah, you're like well, there's I mean, sponsored by Nike. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. We'll get you a nice cushy endorsement from Nike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, LP pen for all the defamation costs I'll be incurring from slagging off <laughs> all of my institutions that I've ever been in so yeah oh, I, you have yeah. to balance it out but um Ruth I think I've charged your ear off enough for one evening <laughs> but I just want to say all right like honestly thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and give me your time and give me all your stories I was kind of going into this like because I kind of seen bits and bobs that you've done with yourself and I knew that you're going to be interesting but like I'm always surprised so much when I guess really like you know you find out there's so much more about them like and I just I, I like I, you can probably people can't see but I like this entire oh. time I've just been like a child that's been like hearing a story like <laughs> I've just been like hands like you know cradling my chin like looking smiling at the camera like honestly I've it's it's been so interesting like um but, but um here I mean not that uh you're gonna fall them back but if people do want to <laughs> see your work I kind of find out <laughs> where you are and maybe want to get in touch as well would you like um any kind of socials yeah. that you want to plug I know you have a website and stuff like that um yeah, yeah where can people find you that's great yeah i'd love to because like i mean absolutely like if people want to find me it's easy enough so that the handle is the same across every platform it's at ruthless imagery and if you put a dot com at the end you'll get to my website ruthlessimagery.com and like that's it and if they if they want to buy my book of window portraits they just got to go to any bookstore that they love and like go to and ask for a twilight together by that random music window photographer <laughs> but yeah that's it that's how they find me and if they want to run around you, just you'll be in some kind of gallery or yeah, running off oh, yeah. S- somewhere else. Anyways, or but- you know where I'll be? I'll be on Dolly Mount with the dog. She's a big white <laughs> thing. You'll see her before you see me. Say hello. 
<laughs> but here, it's been an absolute pleasure, Ruth. And I yes. cannot wait to see, well, I know exactly what you're going to be doing next. Anyways, like I was going to say, like, what, whatever you come up with next, like, but I mean, <laughs> God, yeah. Um, no, I'm so excited. And, uh, yeah, all the best of luck with everything. Oh, thanks. Go on. And best of, luck, best of luck with the podcast. It's been really cool chatting with you and, you know, some great. <laughs> Great, com- great conversation and great questions. Thanks a million for that, and thanks oh, for just, asking me to be part of it. We'll just stop. Sure, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're both great, aren't we? <laughs> Jesus! Oh my God! Yeah, that, that's the most egotistical episode I've had yet. Where it's kind of like, yeah, Connor, God, you really love yourself. That one. But, but here, we do, and we should. You should always love yourself. That's it. Like, well, we'll oh just go God. do it. <laughs> <laughs> but here, have a wonderful evening, and thank you so thank much you. for coming on our show. Okay. Thanks, All right, Connor. see you later. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Finterviews. If you'd like to support the podcast, please remember to go give us a like, share, subscribe. And also, if you can, please go onto Apple Podcasts and give us um, a couple of stars or whatever. I mean, you can do a five star if you want. I'm not saying you have to, but it, I'd very much appreciate it. Um, you can also find me on socials. I'm on Instagram at Finterviews underscore podcast. I'm on Twitter at Finterviews pod. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, if you're ever actually follow another page on Facebook so you can get in touch and let me know who you would like to hear me interview next but until next time thank you so much for tuning in again I'll see you later bye <laughs>